We're bringing you all you need to succeed in the real estate business. It's Spilling the LT, brought to you by Lawyer's Title, telling you what it's really like to work in real estate. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to Spilling the Tea. We're so happy to have both of you with us today. My name is Lisa Shulgin, and I am one of the attorneys with Lawyer's Title and really thrilled to be here um, hosting our podcast today. And so I'm going to throw it over to our guests and let them introduce themselves, and then we'll get started with spilling some LT. Um, so Trey, why don't, you, why don't you tell us who you are and how you got here? Uh, my name is Trey McCann. I've been in the business for 25 years. I've been working with Lawyer's Title for five of those years. I was a Marine before that, and um, I worked in the Lawyer's Title in Plano. And I brought a very good friend and special guest with me today that's going to help a lot of the agents learn how to take care of their taxes and investments, which I think is a big topic that a lot of them miss. Absolutely. So, Mike, if you would, please tell us where you went to school, what you do, and what you can do to help these guys. Sure. My name is Mike Oliver. I'm a CPA licensed here in the great state of Texas. I uh, went to school at Washita Babbage University. Nobody's heard of that except people like me. It's famous for Cliff Harris, Dallas Cowboys. Oh, he went to uh, Washita <laughs> Babbage University. But I've been practicing public accounting here in the great state of Texas since uh, 2004. I licensed in 1994. I was with a large firm before that. So I've been around long enough to where not only is my hair gray, but it fell out. So that's the <laughs> best experience to come Well, from. and I'm sure that with the business that you do, it turned it gray pretty fast, right? It, it turned it gray pretty <laughs> fast, and I think it turned it loose quicker. So. <laughs> well, Mike, we want you to help us. We have a lot of clients, obviously, and they're all real estate agents or investors, and most of them don't understand what great investment opportunities are out there for them on how to grow their wealth, and we'll get into that later. But the first thing we should talk about is taxes, because when you're a self-employed realtor paying taxes, the biggest thing I would imagine that's a problem is people paying their taxes on time. How do they do it? How do they, should they set up an LLC? Should they stay an individual? There's a bunch of different things. So would you please give these people that are watching some ideas on what they should do? And let's start off with what's the number one problem you see that realtors commit with their taxes? The number one issue that realtors have is also the number one issue that all self-employed people deal with is not understanding what making quarterly estimated tax payments are and then not making those. And then when they do pay them, they don't pay enough. So uh, it is very key for people to understand why they're paying those, what the law says, what happens if you don't pay them and how you calculate them. Uh, because every year uh, I get asked questions of why do I owe so much? And well, it's a derivative of income and expense. But if you're not paying the proper amount throughout the year, you're gonna have a big tax bill. Penalties come with that. That is the number one issue that realtors struggle with. Yeah. Okay. So like what, when you say that, let's just an example, say they get a $10,000 commission on a property that they just closed. What should they do? Should they put 25 or 30% of it away and immediately put it aside and at the end of the quarter, send it with their proper forms or should they, you know, I only made 2000 this quarter. I'm going to skip it because okay. next quarter I'm going to make a bunch more. What's the, what would you suggest to them to do? Do they need to all right. Get in touch with their CPA. How do they do it without a CPA? I First of all, I want you to understand the concept of something called safe harbor. Boring word. Nobody's going to get excited about it, but it'll change your world. Safe harbor means that you have paid enough quarterly because we're a pay-as-you-go system, that you've paid enough quarterly such that you have safe harbor against penalty. And it works kind of like this. The easiest way to calculate it is 110% of your prior year's total tax. Say that so you, one more time. 110% 
of your prior year total tax. Okay. Let's use an easy example. Okay. You owed total tax last year of $10,000 on your 2020 tax return. That was your total tax bill. So 110% of that, $11,000. Divide that by four. That's what your safe harbor mm -hmm. quarterly estimated tax payments are. When you make those payments based on the prior year safe harbor, you can owe a million dollars of tax in the following year and you don't have to pay it until April the 15th and you will not have penalty. So I, the question I get a lot, what if, what if I don't want to do that? What if I don't want to make my safe harbor payments? Well, I'm, I'm sure we've maybe all seen the movie Christmas Vacation where at the end they come crashing through the windows and all this. It, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. It's not going to happen. The only exposure that you have is you have penalty. And in that penalty, if you continue to make that same mistake, they can add up over time. And we never want to stumble over pennies getting to dollars. There's no idea of I'll just save it and I'll pay it in later and it's going to be okay. Well, that's, that's true, but you're going to pay more penalty than you should. And it just doesn't make any sense. That's the number one issue that self-employed realtors have. Yeah. Okay. So now the next question that people watching are going to say is like, okay, Mike, I will start paying my quarterlies. I'm going to set up a deal and get my statements ready. But also want you to tell me what is the easiest way to save on my taxes. Okay. How so, can I cut them? I will say the top two questions I get every year about that particular topic is how do I pay less tax? And then the number two question I get asked about is automobile expenses and how that works. So let me answer the first one. So, well, to pay less tax, you've got several options. Number one, you can make less money. <laughs> I don't think that's a very good option. Yep. We're hoping nobody listening yep. wants that as no, an option. That's, that's not an option, but it works. It's very effective. <laughs> Number two, you can have more expenses. Well, I would question that as well. Why would you want to incur expenses that you don't need just so you can pay 25% less on your tax bill? Why do I want to spend $1,000 to save 250 doesn't make any sense. That's letting the tax tail wag the dog. Yep. Or number three, you can have a, an understanding of the difference between what income is, because this is an income tax, and what wealth is. There, there's not a wealth tax, except for property taxes, and I'm not discussing that, but there's not a wealth tax here. It's an income tax. And so you can grow your wealth and your tax base derive income off of that. And that is the best way long-term to mitigate your tax bill. Sure, you can go out and pick investments to make and uh, write all this stuff off, but is that an effective use of your resources? Is that gonna help you generate and develop wealth for your long-term well-being? And that's the best way to mitigate your tax is understand your total tax bill as a percentage of your wealth well, if your wealth is continuing to grow and your tax bill is roughly the same based on your income, you're in a much better financial position. So that's what I want my clients to understand is the difference between generating income and creating wealth. Creating wealth, what would be a good example? Like use storage units or rental right. properties or something like that as a good investment to right. grow so wealth. So we're talking about real estate and real estate agents. So let's use real estate yeah. as an example. Let's, let's just, for example, say that um, this table represents a income reducing property. And let's just say we built apartments on it, multifamily housing. And also just for grins, let's say it's worth a million dollars today, a million bucks. And that million dollars worth of real estate generates a net cash flow of $100,000 a year. Million dollars of net worth generates $100,000 of positive cash flow 
net. Okay. And let's say that you pay tax on that and you're in the whopping 40% tax bracket and you're spending 300, 400, uh, 30 or $40,000 a year uh, on that. Sounds like an awful lot of money. Let's say the tax rates increase. And now we're paying more of a percentage of tax on that $100,000 of income. Right. I'm, I'm not paying 30 grand a year now. I'm paying 35. As frustrating as that is, you still have a million dollar asset over here that's producing income. Mm-hmm. And sure, if you use a discounted rate, it might be worth technically less on the open market because you're paying more tax. But just as the income tax rates increase, your net worth stays relatively the same. And that's what all of my wealthy clients have a, have a hard and fast understanding of. Yes, we want to produce income. But the fact of the matter is, as tax rates increase, as tax rates decrease, your wealth is still yours. And if your income as a percentage of your wealth is changing, that's really not a problem. Your tax burden might change, but your wealth is still yours that you can transfer to your heirs. And this can also appreciate, obviously, over time, because there's many of your clients, I'm sure, had that billing 10 years. Now that million is worth $3 million, whatever it could be. It is worth $3 million. It's still yours. And there's, again, there's no wealth tax. You're right. not going to pay tax on that appreciation. Okay. And here's another very important thing. And a lot of the agents I know do this, and I want you to tell you how, what's the good way of doing it. Should they or should they not, if they work for one of the big brokerages in Dallas, should they have an LLC or should they just say, train McCann the individual? I which is like, the best I way? I feel like I get that question all the time. Yeah. I mean, that's really what realtors are interested and in. And I think yeah. I know the answer because you've trained me well. Yeah. So if you're going to, please explain. All right, so there was a court case several years ago, and it wasn't specifically for realtors, but it applies to everyone that generates income in their own name. And it's Fleischer versus the commissioner of the, of the IRS. And he was a financial planner, and his contracts were with him individually, with him earning commissions and things to that nature. And the court case made it very, very clear that in the eyes of the Internal Revenue Service, if an individual is producing income, then that individual is subject to the tax and the self-employment tax derived thereon. That's a huge, huge thing to understand. So here uh, in the great state of Texas, my understanding is that a a real estate agent is licensed to practice, so to speak, in their own name. Correct. So they go out and they sell a house and Trey sold that house. So the idea is, well, I want to separate myself from that. I want to set up a corporation or an S corporation and pay wages and get profits from that corporation that are distributed to me and I can minimize my tax bill. And that in theory is correct. But the hurdle that you're going to have to overcome is who is conducting the business with the buyers and the sellers. Is it an individual or is it that entity? And you're going to have to deal with that hurdle with the Texas Real Estate Commission You're also going to have to deal with that hurdle with the broker and how all that is transacted. Because if you're doing business in your own name, you're always going to have to deal with, I did that business personally versus my corporation did it. Now, a lot of groups will, a lot of realtors will set up groups where they have different agents working for them. They have an admin staff. Now we might be able to have a conversation of you can take distributions of profit earned on other individuals. Okay, That's a completely different scenario. So I always counsel my realtors to say, look, I I know you may not like the answer, but you pay me to tell you what the law says. This is what the law says. Be very, very careful when you start treading in those waters. Because 
I would say 90% of the agents out there all work for a big brokerage. They are, you think they're an employee of the brokerage, but they're not. They're an independent contractor under one of the big firms. So to set up the LLC, that seems to me like that's another thing. Do, what, do you work for the brokerage or do you got your own LLC? Mm -hmm. Where do you really work? I could get it if you're a broker starting your own thing, like you said, hiring assistants. But if you're just an individual person with no assistance working at one of the big brokerages, I don't see much benefit, but maybe there is. I mean, you have to be very, very careful and understand that entire relationship because under scrutiny, you've, you've got a real problem. If you say, no, my company is doing all of this work. My company is selling this house, my LLC. But if the contracts are in your name, you're not going to win that case. Gotcha. So you've got to be very, very careful and understand all of that. And it's, and it's not necessarily a, a horrible situation to be in because there are other avenues that people can use to employ, like saving for retirement, to move money from their right pocket to their left pocket, and their self-employed earnings allow them to do that. So there, there are ways to be smart without the tax tail wagging the dog. Okay, that's good. I think you brought up a really good point about retirement. I feel like that's a really big hot topic with self-employed people. You know, they don't have those same plans yep. when they're with, you know, corporate America. Um, so is that something that you can also help with? Absolutely. So I would like to spend a little bit of time talking about what's called a SEP IRA. SEP stands for Simplified Employee Pension, I think, but we all call them SEP IRAs. And most people think that you can put 6000 bucks in an IRA or whatever that annual limit is based yeah. on your income and you move on down the road. And it doesn't seem like a very big benefit. Well, number one, I would say never stumble over pennies getting to dollars. If you're disciplined in your life today and tomorrow and the next day, you'll look back in your 40s and your 50s and you were glad that you were disciplined That's right. with that. So my point with a SEP, IRA, a SEP IRA is this. You can put away and deduct on your tax return for the 2021 tax year up to $58,000 into a SEP IRA based on what your net self-employed income is. So the numbers work out to be if you net about two hundred and thirty or two hundred and forty thousand dollars, I think it might be two forty two, but the calculus allows you to deduct on your personal tax return that IRA contribution. So you're moving money from your right pocket mm -hmm. to your left pocket. The tax tail's not wagging the dog. We're not out buying a bunch of stuff that we don't need. Mm -hmm. right? You're moving money from one place to another, and it grows tax free. And if you are in the 25% net tax bracket and you contribute $10,000, easy to do math, you just got a 25% guaranteed rate of return in year one. So That's if right. you don't make a dime on your money, you made 25%. So it's a, an effective tool that I try to get all of my clients to understand that are self-employed. You have options besides spending money you don't need to spend that are going to benefit you years down the road. Yeah, that's a lot of people don't understand the SEP, and they, they no. think it's hard to set up. It's simple to set up. I mean, I know they can contact you to get all that done, but they, so many of them think the only way to do it is an IRA with the $6,000, $7,000 limit, whatever it is now, when they can put in five times that, depending on what they're making. That's right. And they can, like you said, it's a guaranteed 25% return. That's better than any company matching your 401k. No, it's huge. It's a gigantic thing, and everyone needs to know how to do it. And that's why I'm glad I met you. Because that's things right. like that, you teach us things like that. Well, and that's yeah. so true. I mean, we can only know, we can only specialize in so much. So it's so, it's so important to know people like you right. to help 
to help us, to help our realtor friends. Yeah, you, you let the pros do their job. You let the realtor sell the house. You let your CPA help you with investments. You don't try to know how to fix the plumbing, do the taxes, do your investments. You just you find people to help you along the way. There's one more before we get completely off taxes. Um, the thing I want to cover. What about these people that say, I'm going to go buy a Hummer and I'm going to get it wrapped because I get a write-off and I get it for free, basically. So please tell me. Have you, have you right. been talking to my husband? Is that where you, I'm kidding. No. <laughs> so let me speak specifically to that. The rules say that if an automobile, and these are specified kinds of automobiles, right. uh, is 100% business use, then you can deduct the cost of that automobile, uh, the gas and the oil and changes and all that sort of stuff. So I get asked all the time, Mike, I want to go out and I want to buy X, I want to wrap it. And therefore, since I'm driving to the grocery store to pick up, you know, my bananas and oatmeal, I should be able to, to use that. Advertising. No, right. that, that's, that's not advertising. <laughs> it's not. That's driving to the grocery store and getting your bananas and oatmeal, which I highly encourage healthy eating. It's just not going to be a tax deduction for you. So, yes, you can use the actual method, which is the number of business miles that you drive divided by the total miles applied to the depreciation of the vehicle. Simple example, you spend um, $20,000 for a car and you drive 80% uh, business miles, you're only going to be able to depreciate 80%. You only can write off 80% of the gas and that okay. makes sense. So you're having to track your miles anyway. Well, and what's the best way to, to track those miles? I mean, I think a lot of times realtors want to do these things. They just don't have a good yeah. way to actually There's a lot of apps now them. that you can do your business app. When you get in the car, there's an app where it can, you turn it on and it starts doing business miles. But you got to remember to turn it on and turn it off. You do. You know what you're doing. The yeah. IRS requires a log. And it needs to be something that a reasonable uh, and customary and ordinary person would do to keep track of their miles. I've seen everything from a detailed spreadsheet to, well, I got my oil changed and here was the mileage. And you calculate your, your best efforts based on your iPhone. Right. Figure out where did I get yeah. it. Gotcha. Uh, but what I'd also like to point out is the mileage rate method is uh, roughly, I think it's 50 something cents a mile this year. I never remember it because when you get to my age, it's always changing. You're just going to look it up. But if it's, let's say 50 cents a mile because it's easy math, you drive 10,000 miles, that's a $5,000 tax deduction. Whether you're driving a Lamborghini that's wrapped, which I wouldn't recommend wrapping a Lamborghini, <laughs> yeah. or you're driving a small, inexpensive car, whatever you want to drive. And that's a huge point I would like to make right. is the, the value of the car does not change the standard mileage rate. So realtors need to be driving a little bit nicer cars because they're taking people around. I understand that. But you don't have to have a Hummer that's wrapped. You can use a very nice Honda Accord, which I'm all about that. I'm not trying to sell Hondas. Yeah. But I'm making the point that a Honda Accord has the same standard mileage rate as a Lamborghini. So you can use that to your advantage, understanding, hey, I can have a lesser valued car that's going to depreciate over time and use the same mileage rate of spending $75,000 for a brand new F-150 yeah. Lariat that I would love to have that I don't. Same what, mileage rate. What is another, because a lot of the agents, you know, the tax partner one likes to talk about, and they just need to call you and figure out, get on a plan and stay on top of it. But if you were a realtor, what investments, we've talked about SEP and IRA, I know a ton of them that like to do rentals, rehabs, flips, 
uh, wholesaling. There's a bunch of different things that they do. And I know some wholesalers that, that, that kind of, you know, that by, by the, what a wholesaler is, if you don't know, is a person that finds a house and they know an investor that will buy it for 200 they'll find it for 180 The investor finds it for 180 The person that's going to fix it and flip it will give them the $20,000 difference because they agreed to do it. I know that's a risky plan, but you just got to keep good records. It's right. totally legal. But what's another investment opportunity that you would do if you were a realtor? Would you have rent houses? Would you have self-storage? Would you flip them? Would you wholesale them? What would you do? Okay. That's a great question. So what I try to guide people down the path is understand what you're good at and what you're willing to do. In other words, if you are an expert in real estate, and I would assume that realtors are, if you know the real estate market, you know what the value of a house is. You understand all of that. You you have that kind of knowledge. If you don't mind being a landlord, rental property is a fantastic way to build net worth that we were discussing discussing earlier mm -hmm. using that table. So you have 5, 10, 50, fill in the blank of rental properties. Uh, it's a fantastic way to develop wealth. And rental real estate is considered passive earned income. It's a great way to earn money and shelter that in rental real estate, and there's ways to do that. Uh, I would say to someone, if I ask them, uh, if, they, if they come to me and say, Mike, I'm thinking about buying some rental properties, what do you think? My question is always, first, do you want to be a landlord? Mm, I if, did not. Okay, yeah. if, if you do, then I think it's a great path to consider. Uh, Mike, can I go uh, spend money and buy a working interest in an oil well. Well, sure. Is that what you want to do? So instead of figuring out ways to spend money, I really want to guide people down the path of understand what you're getting into. Yeah. Understand that. And if you're good at it and you're willing to work at it, it's going to be a great avenue for you. But quite frankly, real estate, I will say of the wealthiest people that I know, Real estate is always part of it, part of their portfolio, if not the overwhelming majority of it. So that's that's a good. But I think I've heard that since I was a little kid, mm -hmm. and and most people I did rental for a while because I understood rental, but I did not like being out fishing. And someone calls to say their ceiling fans wobbling. I didn't like to. I didn't like. But you can, like you know, there's also if if you enjoy real estate, you can. Still purchase property, hire a property manager. I mean, oh, there's yeah, ways there to still ways. focus on it. That's right. But it's interesting to hear you say that that's really the majority of of wealth that you see. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, it is. What? Um, so the the problems that you th so to just I guess we could wind it up. The main thing that you say that they should focus on is get taking care of their quarterlies, getting that organized. What do they need to do? Because I know I have that little form that you send us where you pay a little, you send a little right. slip in. If they don't have that, if they're a new realtor, they don't even know really what that even is, what do they need to do? Get in touch with their tax planner and say, hey, look, I need to start paying quarterlies. Can you help me out? And they'll set them up on it. Like we described before, Safe Harbor is 110% of your previous year's tax. Right. Well, if you don't know exactly what your income is going to be, why would you want to overpay? Also, right. Safe Harbor is 90% of your current year's tax. Well, nobody knows what their current year's total tax is going to be in the middle of, of July. Right. So what I suggest to people first getting started is just set aside 35%. It sounds like a really high number, but set aside 35% in your first earning year for 
for making estimated tax payments gotcha. or paying it at the next year, whatever works. And then what we do as a firm is we go over the safe harbor calculation with somebody. We give them their estimated tax payment vouchers and they understand this is based on last year. Right. And I'm earning more money over time and I'm making my safe harbor payments. Mm -hmm. If I owe a million dollars, which by the way, I think that would be great. If you yeah. owe a million bucks, you had a great year. I'm not going to have a penalty. So understanding that relationship and concept is good in year two and three. It's harder in year one. Set aside 35%. Okay. And as far as um, I know you work with a ton of realtors, whether, but you work with people that it's just the individual new agent to teams of 15 people. It doesn't matter to you. What is the easiest way for them to get a hold of? Do you have a website? Do you have email? Can they call you? What, was, what would you like them to do? Cause sure. Our website is uh, MikeOliverCPA.com. MikeOliverCPA.com. And there's a way to contact us through that. Okay. And uh, we have people that work with us that can guide you the right place to get your questions answered and go from there. Okay. Well, it is an absolutely great firm because I've used you for 10 years, probably maybe longer. And everybody at your office is fantastic and nice as can be. And... It's just good to help these guys, that are, especially the new ones. I know when I was young, you start making a little bit of money. You say, oh, I don't want to give any of this IRS. I'm going to go buy another rental. It just, trust me, it does not work that it way. It doesn't got work to like pay. that. You have to pay. You, it doesn't work like that. And so as soon as you learn the concept of income is different than wealth, income and assets are two significantly different things, then over time, even though you still have heartburn from paying tax, I understand that, but it can be mitigated with the fact that you're growing your wealth and you have an understanding of what you're trying to accomplish. And that's what I want. I want the people that listen to know they can just call you. So, all right, Mike, I'm going to buy my first rental. Walk me through it. Mm -hmm. Tell me what I need to do. And it's just, you're a great resource. You're a great person. Your honest is the day is long. And we just appreciate you taking Happy time to, to come it. out here and talk Happy to me tonight. It's wonderful. Great to meet you both. Thank you. Absolutely. And, you know, I know we've just really scratched the surface. So I would really encourage anybody that that needs help, that needs consultation, that needs your services to, to reach out. And if they can't find you, they can always find Trey. And Trey can can put you, yep. you know, put them in touch That's with right. you. So sure. we, we greatly appreciate your knowledge and, uh, and working with us. Thank you. Happy to do it. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us here today. Be on the lookout for our next... Uh, podcast and make sure that you like, share, and subscribe. And we look forward to, to bringing more special guests, informative resources to you and look forward to seeing you soon.